Kellogg's Guide to Child Abuse. In 1879, Mark Twain gave a speech in which he observed of all the forms of intercourse, masturbation has the least to recommend it. As an amusement, he said, it is too fleeting as an occupation. It is too wearing as a public exhibition. There's no money in it." Unquote. Funny guy, Mark Twain. But there was a seriousness in his humor, as well as courage. As Twain spoke, much of the Western culture was waging a bizarre, centuries-long war against any hint of childhood sexuality, including masturbation. The merciless campaign against masturbation was just one aspect of the West's long struggle against the quote-unquote sinful yearnings within human sexuality. We've discussed the so-called witches burned alive for daring to assert or even suggest their eroticism. The doctors like Isaac Baker Brown, who justified barbaric, dangerous surgery as a cure of nascent nymphomania. These were not exceptional cases, as Twain knew. Following the advice of such prominent quote-unquote experts as John Harvey Kellogg, many parents of Twain's day subjected their children to brutal physical and mental abuse to stamp out any sign of sexuality. Otherwise reasonable, if confused, people ardently believe that masturbation truly was the de destroying element of civilized society, in the words of the New Orleans Medical and Surgical Journal. Though widely considered to be one of the leading sex educators of his day, Kellogg proudly claimed never to have had intercourse with his wife in over four decades of marriage. But he did require a handsome male orderly to give him an enema every morning, an indulgence his famously high-fiber breakfasts should have made unnecessary. As John Money explains in his study of pseudo-scientific anti-sex crusaders, the destroying angel, Kellogg, would probably be diagnosed as klesmophile today. Klesmophilia is an anomaly of sexual and erotic functioning traceable to childhood in which an enema substitutes for regular sexual intercourse. For the klesmophile, writes money, putting the penis in the vagina is experienced as hard work, dangerous, and possibly as repulsive. As a medical doctor, Kellogg claimed the moral authority to instruct parents on the proper sexual education for their children. If you're unfamiliar with the writings of Kellogg and others like him, their gloating disdain for basic human eroticism is chilling 
and unmistakable. In his best-selling Plain Facts for Old and Young, written on his sexless honeymoon in 1888, Kellogg offered parents guidance for dealing with their son's natural erotic self-exploration in a section entitled Treatment for Self-Abuse and Its Effects. A remedy which is almost always successful in small boys, he wrote, is circumcision. He stipulated that the operation should be performed by a surgeon without administering an anesthetic, as the brief pain attending the operation will have a salutary effect upon the mind, especially if it be connected with the idea of punishment. If circumcising a struggling, terrified boy without anesthesia wasn't quite what a parent had in mind, Kellogg recommended the application for one or more silver sutures in such a way as to prevent erection. The prepuce, or foreskin, is drawn forward over the glands, and the needle to which the wire is attached is passed through from one side to the other. After drawing the wire through, the ends are twisted together and cut off close. It is now impossible for an erection to occur. Parents were assured that sewing their son's penis into its foreskin, quote, acts as a most powerful means of overcoming the disposition to resort to the practice of masturbation. Unquote. Circumcision remains prevalent in the United States, though varying greatly by region, ranging from about 40% of newborns circumcised in western states to about twice that in the northern northeast. This widespread procedure, rarely a medical necessity, has its roots in the anti-masturbation campaigns of Kellogg and his like-minded contemporaries. As Money explains, neonatal circumcision crept into American delivery rooms in the 1870s and 1880s, not for religious reasons and not for reasons of health and hygiene, as is commonly supposed, but because of the claim that later in life, it would prevent irritation that would cause the boy to become a masturbator. Unless you think Kellogg was interested only in the sadistic torture of boys in the same book, he soberly advises the application of carbolic acid to the clitorises of little girls to teach them not to touch themselves. Kellogg and his like-minded contemporaries demonstrate that sexual repression is a malady that considers itself the remedy. To paraphrase Karl Krauss's dismissal of psychoanalysis. His smug satisfaction in tormenting children is striking and disturbing, but Kellogg's no child left alone policy is nothing anything but unusual or limited to ancient history. The anti-masturbation measures quoted above were published in 1888 but more than 80 years were to pass before the American Medical Association declared in 1972 
quote, masturbation is a normal part of adolescent sexual development and requires no medical management. But still the war continues. As recently as 1994, pediatrician Jocelyn Elders was forced from her post as Surgeon General of the United States for simply asserting that masturbation is part of human sexuality. The suffering caused by centuries of war and masturbation is beyond calculation. But this we know, all the suffering, every bit of it, was for nothing, absolutely nothing. John Harvey Kellogg, Anthony Comstock, and Sylvester Graham, inventor of graham crackers, like cornflakes, a food specifically designed to discourage masturbation, were extreme in their grim campaigns against eroticism. But they weren't considered particularly eccentric at the time. Recall that Darwin probably had had little or no personal sexual experience when he married his first cousin a month before his 30th birthday, and that Simon Freud, the other towering giant of 19th century sexual theory, was a self-proclaimed 30-year-old virgin when he married in 1886. No wonder Freud was hesitant sexually. According to biographer Ernest Jones, Freud's father had threatened to cut off young Simon's penis if he didn't stop his obsessive masturbating. Really? Yeah. Bastards. I'm throwing on my cornflakes. <laughs>